Are you still getting ghosted? Maybe they're walking right past you as if they don't see you. Or perhaps, my personal favorite, they've come up with every excuse as to why you guys can't be together even though you practically are. Well, see what had happened on season one was we thought we had done all the work, but perhaps there's a little bit more left to do. So here I am back for season two, your host, Justin Rain, ready to help you finesse through the stress in the land of fuckboys. So prepare to laugh, cry, possibly be triggered, but most importantly, I promise this season we're going to heal as we begin to address our fuckboy problems. Don't wanna be a player. I'm not a On this episode of Fuckboy Problems, titled Mr. Silver Daddy, I sit down and talk with Amazon best-selling author Dwight Allen O'Neill, and we discuss proving yourself to partners, acknowledging regrets, and creating your own greatness. He is a great friend, and he does so many beautiful things in the LGBTQ plus community, and I cannot wait for you all to hear this story. So sit back, relax, and prepare to heal. Here we go. Good evening. Good evening. This is the news. Good evening. This is the news. Campaign between James and Phoebe really heating up now. Thanks. This is the fucking news. Is this the Krusty Krab? No! This is the fucking news. Hey everyone and welcome back to Fuckboys in the News, the portion of the show where if you are fucking up and you have no excuse for your actions, know that I am going to call you out on them. This week we have an interesting bunch, so let's jump right to it. First up, we have none other than James motherfucking Charles. Yes, the white boy who wears the beat. Yes, that 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 girl. That 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 girl. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, James Charles is now apologizing for flirty messages that he has been sending to underage boys, which actually he's apologizing for getting caught. Well, if you don't know, James Charles is 21, and he basically is said to have been sending flirty messages with two, not one, but two 16-year-old young men. I wonder if they were twins. That's what I'm assuming. There were these two twins he was hanging out with um, maybe six to eight months ago, and I bet you, my bottom dollar, this has something to do with it. He claims that, you know, the kids lied, but there's evidence to prove that these young men actually had their age in their profile, so... Who's to blame here? Also, James in a video, of course, released on YouTube, of course, for money, of course, because his channel is monetized, right? Let's notice a pattern here with these YouTubers and their drama, (laughs) or at least how they handle it. Basically, he blamed himself for trusting people too easily under the guise of needing to take accountability. Which one is it? Are you going to take accountability for your actions and knowing better? Or are you going to blame other people for saying, well, you know, I didn't see it in their profile or maybe they had it hidden or they use Roman numerals to represent their age and I didn't notice. Okay, are you going to just blanket take accountability Are you going to try to find a loophole, fuckboy? I'm just saying. Lastly, you know, he goes even furthermore to try to justify his actions by saying he was desperate for a longing connection. And he even tried to say that, you know, this all sucks so much because the normal, you know, guy that he likes, you know, just tends to be very young and younger. But Don't worry, never you fear underage youth because he promises to date no one younger than 18 from now on. Good job, James. Good job. I don't have to tell y'all this is wrong. Y'all know this is wrong. Y'all also know that the only reason why this white man is able to get on YouTube and take accountability for being a predator, which there have been how many stories prior to this one about little James and his predatory behavior you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. At what point will this white man be held accountable? Because at this point, he's 21 years old. He's a white man. Yes. And you are attacking and you're encroaching and you are preying upon youth. 
At what point will you be held accountable? I wonder. I wonder. Next up on the list, we have Megan motherfucking McCain. If you don't know, being a fuck boy is an ism. It's a characteristic. It's not actually attached to gender at all. So yes, my ladies, my sisters, my they, my thems, anything in between, you be what you want to be. But let me be clear, you can be a fuck boy. So she's up on the docket this week because of her tone deaf comments around identity politics, stating that Democrats need to decide whether or not race and gender are more important than qualifications as we move forward in the future. And this is all under the guise. Let me give you a little bit of context. I took a moment because I was about to snap. But this is all under the guise of her talking about Senator Tammy Duckworth and the Asian American Pacific Islander community, talking about the underrepresentation in Congress and um, and just overall in the world and in the community that we live in. And she went on to say, well, okay, well, does that mean that I need to give up my seat here on The View so that an Asian American or Pacific Islander can be here on this stage? Because there's only been one AAPI member on The View in its history in over, I think they said 20 years. Well, yes, ma'am, because guess what? And, you know, I'll give you something better. Tiffany Cross, if you don't know, look up Tiffany Cross from The Cross Connection. Um, she's a host. She's a host on MSNBC, I believe. She actually did an actual rebuttal to Megan's statements showing literally in a reel and in a clip of Megan, who, if you don't know, her entire career is substantiated around and substantiated upon her being the daughter of Senator John McCain. Literally. So Tiffany Cross, she went on to make a um, reel or a quick clip showing every single time almost Megan brings up her father, which normally she opens her statements with, you know, well, my father or, you know, my father who's a war vet or my father, a former senator or my father, may he rest in peace. My, you know, my father, my father, my father, my father, the great, the late, great Senator John McCain. You know, my love, my father, you know, the amazing, you know, American war veteran that he was, you know, all this other BS and all of those things are qualifying statements, because if you really were just that great, you could just say your statement without needing to bring your father into it. That's all I got. Fuck boy. Last up on the list. Lil Uzi Vert, you are trash. That's enough said. If you have been living under a rock, though, while the city girls, you know, were on IG Live um, a few days ago, Uzi took um, his girlfriend, if you don't know, who was JT. Very interesting pairing. I haven't really wrapped my mind around that part yet. Um, Uzi took JT's phone and began to... Um, kind of berate Carisha or Young Miami as she prefers to be referred to just basically saying we don't have beef do we we're good right right Carisha uh-huh like very much so flexing in a very kind of like you know casually aggressive way to kind of let her know like we don't need to have a problem you don't want to have a problem with me and I and when people use their real names or they use your real names sometimes that can be in an attempt to let you know like no like I know you I can address you like this. I can talk to you like this. So don't think I'm playing. I'm very serious. And that's the way it came off. Furthermore, he continued on live to flex more as JT tried to calm him down while he was acting like this with her, you know, with her teammate or coworker. He goes on to tell her to shut up. And that she's going to do whatever he tells her to do because he's the boss. And if he wants her to tongue kiss him right now, she would. Because who's the boss? He is. And this young lady who has, you know, proposed and she has tatted this city girl mentality, this city girl life. You know, fuck these niggas to get money. Don't let a nigga talk to you like this. Don't let a nigga try you, play you, you know, hold you. She said, yes, daddy. Yes, sir. And she shut the fuck up. Like, I guess the pet that she is to him. And I ain't got no respect for that for her. And I damn sure ain't got no respect for his bitch ass. Talking like that to one because everything about that situation was about him trying to make himself feel good in front of the world and trying to make them look small and weak. Because there was no need to try to like flex like that or try to diminish these women's integrity on a public stage, on a public platform. And you can tell it was performative. And I have nothing for that shit. But that. This week's 
fuckboys in the news. And I can't wait for you all to hear Dwight Allen O'Neill's story. So without further ado, here it is. I don't know what to do, but to keep part two of my confessions. Hey everybody, I am so excited to have more Arkansas grown, fine cornbread fed, best-selling author, uh, Dwight Allen O'Neill, baby. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing, Justin? So great I'm to connect good. with you. Um, we miss you on the East Coast. I'm trying to come back. Y'all just it's gonna be it's gonna be quite the celebration when I return. Right. <laughs> so today's episode, we're going to call it instead of Mr. AARP, which was the original idea, we're going to call it Mr. Silver Daddy. This episode is going to be all about exactly what you think, the Silver Daddies right. and the fuckboys that they are. It should be Mr. Morgan Freeman, but we're going to just go with, you know, Silver Daddy. I ain't, get the, I ain't got the copyright, okay? So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because, I, I mean, I, I, obviously, I dated... Um, um, someone that not only was older than me when I was 16, but he was also famous. So, yeah. Well, yeah. go ahead and paint the picture for us then. Let's just jump straight All into right, it. All so, right, so picture it. It was New York City, early 2000s. Um, a young Dwight Allen O'Neill was walking the streets of New Orleans where I was discovered as a model. And a my ingenue. mom, you know, you know, my mom sent me to New York to actually do work. I came for castings and I booked work. My agency was actually in New York, which is why I actually moved to New York, close to my modeling agency. And so I used to come back and forth in high school. And while here, I discovered Christopher Street. I discovered The Village. And I discovered this phone company called Power Chat. Have you heard of Power Chat? No, Power. This is the original Power. So Power Chat, so you call, you know, it's like, it was Grindr. Oh, but the on Hotline. The, the oh, Hotline. Hotline Bling, yes. So I didn't I remember, know it to be power um, chat, but I've been on a chat giving plenty yeah, of power. Yeah, it was power chat. And so I ended up connecting with this guy who told me his name was Craig. And he told me that he was 30. And I told him I was a little older than what I actually was. I may have said 18. And um, yeah, we met up. We ended up meeting up. And I remember the first night I went to his apartment, um, I noticed he had an Emmy Award on his on, on a shelf. And I said, oh. oh, that must be fake. Like, that can't be real. And we were hanging out. And I know most people were like, well, did you know who he was? Well, I didn't know who he was because he didn't necessarily show his face for what he did for a living. I'm dropping hints for my smart girls out there. He didn't show oh, his face okay. for what he did okay. for a living, it, but he definitely it. was very, very known. And yeah, we ended up connecting when I was, you know, 16 and we stayed in contact until I was 22. Um, at 22, we actually end up breaking up and like ending the relationship altogether. But yeah, um, definitely was way too old for me. Let's bring it back because you're just not going to brush over all of this and just try <laughs> to keep all cute. No, let's unpack this. So you meet him. You guys are having this conversation on Power Chat. Did you now the way I remember the hotlines, you when you like connected with somebody, at least the way I was doing it, um, my little scary self, you know, you would talk for a minute. Y'all would like make plans to get back on the chat line at the same time, like the next day, the next day or like y'all had like connected the first time. And you were just like, bitch, it's it. Let's hit it. So I was in New York for a couple of days because I was usually here for work. Oh, and like, it was very it. much exchanging your phone numbers. I had my first little cell phone. And I remember when I first got a phone, I had a cricket. But my parents upgraded me to Sprint because I moved. I was going back and forth to New York because my mom needs to know what I was doing at all times. So she needs to have a way of, you know, connecting. So I actually exchanged phone numbers with him. So I, I was fast. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine too um okay so you get on the train you go meet him you go to his place you see this emmy train he's in a he's in a car well, look at god there you go top notch, <laughs> top notch bitch <laughs> he's in a car <laughs> yeah so beyonce said i've been on i've been on I, i've been on I don't know what to play with you tonight. Okay, so you guys, you meet up, you guys hook up. I'm assuming this first time y'all meet. So actually, we didn't go all the way. Um, in my book, I describe it as he, um, it was digital penetration that took place. Okay. Did so you know the actual term? He had fucked your, fuck your mind. 
uh, 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 he, he fingered he fingered me oh digitally digital, got it yeah. got it oh, oh he okay now back in the 90s and bring it on uh there's like a famous line where he was like oh he slipped a digit when he yeah. like yeah. Yeah. When, yeah. 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 And they were stunting. Okay. All right. So yeah. he digitally. D- digital penetration. And he, um, it was the first time I had my ass made. So. Okay. So upon that first time you guys like hanging out and experiencing each other, did any red flags come up? When did he first show a sign that he was a fuckboy? When did you first be like, okay, something ain't right in the water? Honestly, not until I moved to New York. So the thing is, we were in contact from afar. But like at that age too, I honestly just felt special that I connected with someone, you know? And also coming to New York, my fear was to be a broke college student. Mm-hmm. And to know that someone was interested in me that could possibly, I don't want to say take care of me because that's not what I was looking for. Never. I've definitely always been very independent in that sense. But it'd be nice to know that if I wanted to go to a nice dinner on a Friday night, it was a possibility. Um but I found out he was a fuckboy when I entered college and so my best whole friend time, college, you guys were just talking while you were away. You guys were yeah, just keeping constant Yeah, but we actually started like dating, dating when I moved here officially for college. Okay. And nice. so uh, me and my best friend in college was in an apartment together. Long story short, she robbed me. I had sent her money. I had went back home to Arkansas like for winter break and I sent her money to get us an apartment that we had found. And when I came back, there was no apartment. And it was a, it was a night that um, I remember it was really cold and it was raining. And I went to his building. My phone had died. So I couldn't contact him. He wasn't answering his phone. But the doorman knew me there. So on my way there, um, his neighbor was actually Julia Styles. They did a little bum bum pal, you know. Yeah, yeah, Julia Styles. So um, I had seen her several times in his building. And I actually asked to use her phone. And I actually got a little pissed because one day it was raining and I actually escorted her back to her door. She didn't let me use her phone. So I don't watch her movies anymore because I was upset because my phone was dead. And I'm like, I need to call somebody. So the doorman ended up letting me go upstairs to his place. And I knocked on the door. When I opened the door, he was furious. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, why are you mad at me? He's like, don't ever just show up my place unannounced. So I explained to him, like, my phone died. Uh, my friend I was supposed to get a place with. Actually, there was no apartment. She took the money. Like, I have nowhere to go. And so um, he let me come into the house to charge my phone. And when I went into the kitchen, I noticed there were two champagne glasses on the counter. And he was acting weird. So there was someone else in the apartment. And that's when I realized, oh, wow, he really is a fuckboy. And he is playing me. And I'm not the only person. So instead of ending the relationship, I decided I, too, you know, would do my thing. And... It actually ended up blowing up in my face because I ended up meeting this photographer who wanted to shoot me. I was in a fashion show and this photographer wanted to shoot me. And I was like, okay, y'all don't judge me. I was in my early 20s, a New Yorker and New York is expensive. So I remember thinking, oh, I kind of want some new pictures for my portfolio. And this guy agreed to shoot me for free. I knew the guy was flirting with me. I knew he was interested. Ended up going to his apartment in Brooklyn. And when I went to his bathroom to use the bathroom when I was coming out, I noticed on the wall, there was a picture of him and two of his friends. One of his friends was, we're calling him Morgan Freeman. And so I oh, saw God him in the picture. Oh, God damn. This is the and, and I'm like, oh, my God. It's such a small world. So then I ended up coming with an excuse saying my head was hurting where I had to leave. So I ended up leaving or whatever. Like, a couple of days later, um, Morgan Freeman reached out to me. And y'all, of that's code FYI. And that's how about Morgan Freeman. He reached out to me and was like, um, do you know my friend Jay? So the guy didn't tell me his name was Jay, so I could play it off. I was like, no, I don't know a Jay. He was like, he's a photographer in Brooklyn. I was like, Jay or Daryl? And he was like, oh, Daryl. He gave me his real name. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he was like, yeah, he told me you came to his place and was like, he met this cute boy, but he was more my type. And I'm thinking, and okay, why would he be telling me about another boy? And how did you know it was me? He was like, well, your number's still So I still had a 501 number back then. So that's how he was able to figure me out. And so I just told him, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I did meet your friend. I was going to actually hang out with him a bit because I know you're not being faithful to me. Like you're seeing other guys. And why is that a problem? And his response was, I can do that. You can't. I bring home the money. You don't. 
Well, shit. Why am I sitting here with any worry? If that's the case, you can be worry free if I'm worry free. That's how those situations work, or at least in my in my experience in the past and in, in, in the oh so distant past. You know, not not recent at all. You got to clarify those things. But if you're gonna have if we're gonna have that kind of setup, then that means we both got to be worry free. And that's how I felt. But he let me know my place, and I told him that well, I'm not signing up for that. That's not what I'm interested in, and I cut the relationship off. And so fast forward, he reached out to me a couple times after then, but in 2012, he reached out to me. I was actually living in Miami. He's like, he needed to see me. And so he flew down to see me and we had dinner. And at the dinner, he acted as if he wanted to reconnect, but he was asking questions like, how old were you when we got together? And I was like, you know how old I was. Like, why are you asking me this? And he was like, no, no, like, how old are you? And I was like, well, I met you when I was, like in high school, I told you that later. And like, we ended up like really trying to date once I moved to New York. Why? And so I um, ended up spending the night with him. We didn't have sex. And I remember me, I wanted, I was so excited about meeting him because we dated, I barely had a pot to piss in, but I was in my career, I was established. I treated the meal. Like I wanted to show him that I, I didn't need him anymore. I wanted him to see that I had grown into this man. I was 28 then, I think. And so, um, the next day he ended up flying home and my best friend from college and back home hit me up and was like, bitch, have you seen the news? And I'm like, what? He's like, your ex is like all over the news. And I'm like, who? So he was like, Morgan Freeman. And I'm like, hmm. for what? And he was like, for molesting little boys. Bitch, <laughs> I dropped my phone. I was like, you're kidding. I'm like, he literally was here this weekend. Like he was literally in Miami this weekend. And what he was doing was, and I'm sure it's other guys out there that he was reaching out to to try to silence us before this story broke mm-hmm. to make sure we wouldn't say anything. And so as the story began to progress, the first person came forward. Um, the community attacked the person saying he was lying. He was after his money. I was still silent. The second person came forward and his story sounded just like mine, Justin. They met the exact same way. And like, I, I remember reading the comments on how this person was being attacked. And so... I ended up coming forward myself, but I didn't use my name. I came forward as a John Doe. And I ended up dropping my case and people were like, oh, because you were lying. No, I dropped it because I knew what I was doing. Granted, I was 16. Yeah. I knew what I was doing. I, I knew very well what I was doing. And definitely I benefited from the relationship. Um, I, I felt that definitely these boys' stories need to be validated a hundred percent. But for me mentally, I wasn't in a space that I could deal with that. And then also the way that the community even turned on me and being like a celebrity quotation marks, as I've been tagged, I just felt like with the community attack John Doe, the way they atta- are attacking him, if they knew it was actually Dwight Allen O'Neill, like, would they really be, you know, this hard? And a part of me felt like, yeah, they would. Another part of me like, hmm, Maybe and not. You just never know. It you don't know, much. but I didn't think it was fair those boys are being attacked. But then also, again, as I shared this story with you, it's like, I definitely got my benefits from it. I mean, granted, he did more He did more with me than he should have when I was underage, but it was only digital penetration at that point. Um, mm-hmm. Once I was of age, of 18, it was more of a you know relationship. However, he still was just a trifling boyfriend or a fuck boy, as we like to say. <laughs> oh, without a I, doubt. That's a I'm sorry. Boy. A fuck grandpa, as we're going to say, versus <laughs> he was a fuck <laughs> grandpa versus, I would say, just a horrible person, if that makes sense. <laughs> uh, well, one, I want to tell you that I totally can understand what you mean about that paradox, you know, and knowing what you wanted. But at the end of the day, I will say, and I'll always stand with this, that person was a predator because if he can have the awareness and have the concern in 2012 to be like, Ooh, I should double check. Right. Then that tells you already that he knew better. And I'm not going to lie to you. And like, 
14, 15, like at that young age, like there is something about tradey, older, like, you know, like something about like that kind of man that is appealing because that feels like a man and you still feel like a boy. And there's something validating about that, even more so a celebrity, because at this point in time, I totally can understand you're trying, you're like literally developing who you are. And in Arkansas, well, I can tell you for a fact, actually, and trying to discover. Oh, yeah, we know for a fact. Right. I know for a fact. You're developing yourself at a deficit. So trying to date in Arkansas, even trying to have any type of like gay interaction, it's it's difficult. So being validated externally or being validated in any way from, you know, a person that you're attracted to can have that much more of an impact when you're a person in that type of environment. Yeah. And as an adult, too, I look back and I see how um, there were moments I was manipulated. I see how there were moments where he utilized his age to influence me. And then I also look at the the collective of all the the men he dated at the, like I'm sorry boys we were all very very young and yeah. he knew better he definitely knew better so um, I, I definitely I'm with you 100 percent there and I think for me the lesson that I learned as an adult is parents when it comes to your children um, because that was one thing too like when I dealt with that my mom was just like oh you know. The church is going to think that I wasn't looking out for my child when I was sending him to New York to model. And yes and no. Like my mother definitely, you know, checked the boxes. I had a cell phone. I checked in. But the thing is, kids, teenagers are going to do things. And it's up to adults to honestly discern and, and be responsible. Like he did. He took advantage. He had the power in that situation. And he should have said no. I could have been busting it wide open, booty butt naked in his bed. Still, it's adult's responsibility to say no. Like, we oh, can't blame the children. That's one of my issues with, like, the whole R. Kelly thing. Like, mm-hmm. no, you know, the Black community oftentimes were attacking these girls. And yes, kids can be fast, but you are the adult. The adult still needs to be an adult and actually say no. And my issue also in those situations always is, you know, in the black community, there's this there's this issue where they cannot separate their favorites and their work from their humanity and who they are as individuals. Exactly. Because what you do creatively in your art, that, you know, that is a gift that you have. That's a blessing. That's a talent. But that does not, you know, like protect you. That does not give you, you know, like carte blanche to just go and kill people in your free time or just like ruin people's lives and victimize them you know just because you make amazing art you know like that does not protect you like you are not god you are not immune that does not give you immunity and i just feel like in the black community and in communities of color we you know because we have so very few icons as you know as it's phrased that we have so very few many people you know here that we're upholding you know, they just like, oh, you don't want to tear down their legacy. You don't want to tear down another person's legacy. I'm like, well, yes. Like their art legacy, like their art, their, its legacy can stand forever. But you and your personal legacy, you got right. to fuck on. We can just listen it's to true. music. Because honestly, I can't wait till they just release the function so you can hear the song. You know, ain't that why we got now 47 now or now 106? Like, we could just put them tracks on a now and move the fuck on. And I honestly, the music can go, to, the funds can go to a nonprofit or something. Yeah, I'm with that. I think that's brilliant, actually. That's what we should do with these people's works and things like that. Like, once they fuck up or their shit finally makes it makes its way to the light like no you cut the money you put the money towards a group that they actually victimized and then you get them to fuck on we can appreciate that shit without you bitch and the other thing too like people you don't know what it's like until you've been in those shoes because i like like for me specifically and again and i remember when i dropped my case the officer was actually very disappointed her thing was you know I hear you saying you knew better. I did. My parents raised me right. I knew what I was doing was wrong. I I knew that this man was too old for me. I knew that I lied to him in the beginning and told him one thing. Like, and my conscience didn't didn't allow me to go forward. And my only reasoning for coming forward was that I saw the world not believing two other Black men that had stories similar to mine. And I Mm -hmm. felt, well, perhaps if I say something too, I'll support their story. And that was my reasoning. But I dropped the case because other things happened from like nightmares to like 
random male showing up at my house with cryptic messages. Like it honestly had gotten very, oh, very. I can only imagine. Yeah, it, it was hard. It's challenging. And for my own mental health, I was like, I can't do this. And she was like, you know, I hear you saying that you knew better. And I hear you saying your parents raised you right. But wrong is wrong. And these men need you. And I said, I understand these men need me, but I need me more. I need me more. And it was so, it was so hard. I think the hardest time I've ever had to do in my entire life is like sue someone. And my name was in public. Like the other two boys to this day, like their careers, like I remember the second guy like was in school for criminal justice. Mm-hmm. He can't get a job now because when you oh, Google him, that comes up the first thing and this man's case was thrown out. So like these people are looked upon by the public as liars when I know for a fact they weren't lying. They weren't lying. And it was a total of five of us that came out all together. You talk and he got away with it. I don't even know what it is going to take for us to reform our justice system. I honestly don't know. Because it's, uh, it's I feel like it's poisoned in every area. Like if it's if like if you have enough power, you have enough money, you have enough networking and leverage, you can you can you can fix it. Yeah. And if you, you can. are light enough, and if you have the if you have and if you are deficient of melanin enough, it makes it that much easier. It really does. I wonder if that happened during the hashtag Me Too um, movement would it have received more light because it happened definitely before that. A little bit. Probably, um, yeah. I think if it happened even five years after, like five years later, like in twenty, like in twenty seventeen, I think it would have had that much that much greater of a difference. Because also, not only was the world changing, but the LGBTQ community was changing, media was changing, just everything in that space and time. We were just kind of like on the precipice of like becoming like full, like a full tech world where video and everything was just like everything. And you saw everything, you had access to everybody's business. So just think about if you had, if this had all happened in 2017, where it's like, no, honey, we can find it. I peer just, we can find these on messages. We can, we can pull it back. Oh, they did. His, he actually did lose his job. That's all that happened. Um, okay. They found messages on his phone on BGC. I'm sorry, on his computer. Um, that he was actually conversing with these young boys or with various age people. Uh, It was definitely proven, but by the public, they blamed the boys. Oh, they're after his money. Oh, because one is like the first guy like got into some legal trouble and like basically was spiraling out of control. And I'm just like- Everything in your personal life, you know, that's from the other side. Totally. But my thing is, if this man was messing with him at 14 to 15 years old, of course, in his early 20s, his life screwed up. Like, think of what what happened. This person probably helped contribute to that. It was just, I mean, not to sit here and be like, oh, I wasn't affected by it because trust I was. It still affects my personal relationships. But- I didn't choose to take that route. You know, I chose to go into doing other things and I've coped with it in other ways. I make it my duty to be a mentor to the younger gay community because so many men my age or older or our age or older prey on them and versus mentoring them and helping guide them to be a positive influence in the world. I want to unpack something a little bit. When you said you met him in 2012, when he hit hit you up, when everything was kind of coming to a head, you said you felt the need when you guys met for dinner to prove to him all the things that you are now without him, without his access, without his power, his money, et cetera. Why was that so important to you to feel the need? I guess because to me, honestly, it's, it come it sounded like you were saying like you need him to validate, you know, whether it be like directly or indirectly. Why was that so important to you? Because when we were together, I felt our relationship was based on the fact that he could provide for me. Um, There were many situations, like the apartment situation where like my friend robbed me. He's the person that put me in a place after that. Like he got me, helped me get into an apartment. And I felt because he felt like he could provide for me, that he could do whatever he wanted. Because I really did love him. I did. I wanted to be with Morgan Freeman, quotation marks. Like, and when (laughs) I learned that he was basically cheating on me and later in 2012 i learned that some of those guys that came forward the timing was around the same time of me dating him so like i was one of many 
And I felt for me, like I felt that if I showed him I didn't need him, perhaps if we tried this again, he'd be faithful. Because he Mm -hmm. honestly utilized the fact that he could provide for me as an excuse as to why he could do whatever he wants to do. Do you think that there's a correlation between like the validation you were seeking from him in that situation and the validation that sometimes we seek from like our father figures and men in our lives? Absolutely. A hundred percent. I definitely think so. Um, which is why I chose the song I chose. I mean, (laughs) in the day, like, no, it's often like, I, I know that I was in that relationship because I had daddy issues and I noticed that a lot of times men that I date stem from needing that particular type of validation. But in this particular relationship, like even when he reached out to me and came to Florida, I thought he was coming to Florida to win me back. I was like, wow, okay, late 20s. Now why, this now why was your ego telling you that? Why got to be my ego? Why not my heart? But when he left me and my friend called me and was like, he was over the news, I was devastated. I'm like, this man did not come see me because he wanted me back. He came to see me to see if he could silence me. And can, can I just say something petty? He wasn't even like a, here's a little check to keep you quiet. Nope. <laughs> You're like, damn, you could even grease the squeaky wheel. <laughs> I mean, the first boy was offered $75,000. No, $150,000. Like, I mean, that's to be nice quiet. Little, that's a nice little rental property. It is a nice little rental property. I I would have took that and flipped that. Bitch, you would have been mad at me. (laughs) But then my ego did hit because I noticed Uh that the first two boys that came for were light skinned and I'm the darker one. And then I'm like, oh, was I only worth the steak dinner? And how did you combat those voices in your head? Because so often, you know, like in these situations, people and fuck boys more directly we're just gonna say they use these characteristics whether they be physical whether they be your monetary like the, they use these things one to manipulate you when you're in the situation but then also to mentally like kind of like abuse you and oppress you because right. you need to feel like you are not valued you need to feel like there is a, a, a gap in your worthiness in comparison to either them or others so often I right. feel like I have made the mistake because, you know, part of this podcast is, you know, it's bred from my fuckboy problems. I know for a fact I have literally like I felt the need to like let who I was dating or dealing with at the time know. Oh, yeah, I mess with them. Or like, oh, yeah, we talk together. Like when you see people out in New York, it's way more common. Oh, my gosh. Sex in the City really painted that picture well, because at least in the gay community, you run into you run into somebody you mess with every weekend honey at brunch or like right. walking by and it could have been somebody from 10 years ago and they just moved back it really be like that and you'd be gagging on that saturday like how am i gonna do this but <laughs> yeah i definitely have been guilty of wanting to like i guess like want to like put a little pin in a situation just to let you know like yo it, i could have been with that but i'm with you so like just don't be slipping and i think there's something wrong with that too i used to do that a lot not so not so much now but I definitely used oh, to yeah, do I that. Oh, yeah, I out of that. Yeah. Because I didn't want to feel that either. But I just think this whole idea of worthiness and speaking back to those negative voices, like for you, where does that place start? Well, in my book, the chapter I talk about this in is actually should have been light skin. Um, because, so my book's called Shoulda, Coulda, Woulda. So it's inspirational mistakes made say, by just go. Let's just go ahead and yeah. talk about the so book. So each about chapter is talking about something that's happened in my life that's made me the person I am today. And that relationship definitely defined me in a really big way. Um, For one, until I moved to New York, I was never insecure about my skin tone. In Arkansas, my skin tone never bothered me. But when I moved here, and it was more so on the dating scene that it bothered me. Um, And in that particular relationship. I get that. I get that. Yeah. And in that particular relationship. And and where you date. Because, you know, we date in different boroughs. And where you date. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think for that relationship specifically, I found myself when I saw the story break about him specifically, mm-hmm. when I saw the first two boys, I was jealous of them because wow. they saw, they got a different version of him than I got. And At least the first cheated. guy. I felt cheated. And I felt like, was I cheated because I wasn't as attractive as them? Was I cheated because I wasn't in light skin? And then it took me to finally unpack that years later to find out I was cheated because of the way I presented myself. 
because he saw my insecurities. He could pray on that. He didn't have to do that extra stuff with me because mm-hmm. he knew how to play each of us. He knew how to man- ma- he knew how to manipulate each of us to get what he wanted. And for oh, me yeah, specifically, but that was a predator going after a person. Exactly. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was going after a and person so who was young to be insecure. I had to unpack what my insecurities was. My insecurities were a. I was like super skinny then. I wasn't built. B. Um, I felt my head was shaped funny. That was <laughs> another thing. C. <laughs> I felt like I was so effeminate that I wasn't masculine like other men. So these were things that kept me feeling less than. And a lot of the same things that this man did to me, other fuckboys did to me too. Mr. I ain't got no job. Mr. I don't got nowhere to live. Mr. I'm still dealing with a baby mama. The only difference was Mr. Mr. Silver Fox had money. That was the only difference, which made him worse. And that he started messing with me at a very young age. That made him really worse. But um, it was other men too at that age. You know, like underage where I met men that I shouldn't have been meeting because I was traveling to Dallas and traveling to New York and exploring my sexuality. And I think that until you feel that void in yourself, people, unfortunately, there are people in the world that are going to take advantage of you. And it's about you honestly loving yourself first. Mm, I thousand percent agree. So... Tell everybody out there about everything you have going on. Tell everybody a little bit more about the book. Like, give us this preview. Give us show. This is your stage. Eat oh up. my god! So I've been booked and busy. <laughs> yes, catch um, me up too, bitch. Because I read myself, y'all. Yes. Oh, okay. So I do. I do have a book. Um, my book is called "Shoulda, Coulda, Woulda: Inspirational Mistakes Made by Me." Um, it has done very, very well. It came out last June. It was a bestseller for the month of Pride. Which doesn't surprise me, not to sound like um, like I'm bragging. I was about but to say, I th- you own pride. You kind of own but, pride. Let but I feel clear. like nobody had nothing to do with this pride because we were on lockdown, <laughs> so they read books. So thank God my book was one of them. <laughs> so, Give yourself more credit were, than that. I think you, I, so you That's why I think it did pride. well. But then it no. actually did really well in October again. And two weeks ago, it did really well. So I have a book. Um, please check it out. Um, each chapter of vignettes of different things that have happened in my life that I look back on and I talk about, you know, how it's made me me. Some chapters make you laugh, some make you cry. Um, in addition to that, um, I also have a podcast called Shoulda, Coulda, Woulda, same name. Um, in addition to that, oh, last week I was actually on a panel with Tamar Braxton. So I'm one of the influencers on the app Bego, um, which I don't know why you're not on Bego yet, but that's a whole other conversation. I've told you about it. You don't want to go there, but whatever. <laughs> I told you, child. It's just. I'm I'm also a manager, a writer. Uh, Oh, I just I shot a documentary last year. Uh, I'll announce that first here. So my documentary is basically it's about being black in the porn industry. I Mm -hmm. executive produced that and directed it. Um, I executive produced with D'Angelo Jackson, who's also my client. So D'Angelo is uh, he was the first black man to win the Gavian Award for Best Actor, which is the Oscars of Porn. And also, you know, we executive produced that and then I'm directing it. So yeah, that's coming out. It's it's pretty pretty intense, really good. It's a tearjerker. Did you and Dan do that? Um no, no, no. Um we did it under Nova Novus, but it was my baby. Oh nice. Yeah. Nice. Congratulations. Come on, Thank Novus. you. We know yes, all about yes. that. Okay. And tell everybody about your social media and everything like that. The website where they can find yes. you online. So you can find me online at www.onealappeal.com. My Instagram is onealappeal. If you want to be a host on Bego, you can hit me up at hostonbego.com. If you're out there you can make and you a good make, coin. Let me be you clear. Can you make can make a good, a good coin. coin. You, can you really make can make a good coin. You can. Um, so if listeners, if you're interested, you know, reach out hostonbego.com. But um, and then my production company is um, Off the Clock Productions um, dot online, and then NovaNovisProductions dot com. So, okay, well, we will be right back with our fuck boy versus fucked up portion of the show. I can't wait to have this conversation with you. So we'll be right. I couldn't back. help but wonder. I couldn't 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 help but wonder. Are men just women with balls? This is a good time to vent. Officially. 
Now, in the great tradition of Paris is burning. The library is about to be open. Hey! Yeah. Because reading is what? Fundamental. That's right, children. Mm-hmm. We are at the fuck boy versus fucked up portion of the show. We have one of the sweetest darlings in the nation, <laughs> soon to be New York Times best-selling author. We're going to manifest it and put it out there into the universe. Amen. From your lips to God's ears. So proud <laughs> to hear this. Um, we are at the fuck boy versus fucked up portion of the show. Um, this person show, we have an email that came in here today, Dwight, and the subject line was chill out on the fuck boy hating shit. That was the subject line. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we're going to go into this email and I'm just going to read. It's a little different this week because this person, they ain't even care. Normally we have a person that'll write in there, ask for advice and stuff like that. But this person, they actually want to voice some of their frustrations and they want to kind of challenge us to kind of approach um, how we're having conversations about being a fuck boy. And I just, one, I appreciated the challenge. So one, I thank you for that. And two, I felt like we were both two people who could have a really healthy conversation around fuckboy-isms. Um, and really, I'm excited to see where the conversation goes. So I told you the subject line, chill out with all that fuckboy hating shit. That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> but then they start out saying hello. Hi, Jay. Loving the growth of the pod this season. But I got some questions. What's so wrong with being a fuckboy? Why can't? It just be that and that be that. At least that's the case for me. Sometimes I tell a motherfucker that and they force what they want into the situation until until I'm ready to go or I'm left with a few other choices, either settle, talk or ghost them. And sometimes you're dealing with a motherfucker that you don't really owe nothing. So the path of least resistance becomes that much more appealing. <laughs> that's true. You like, bitch, I can just ghost all your ass shit. Um, can we talk about the fuckboys experience for a change on the show? If fuckboys are these reactive individuals, then where is the accountability from their partner for causing that reaction? How about y'all talk about that? And, and so what are your thoughts about that? The golden rule. That's Going the golden to rule? As you have been sharing to you. Like, seriously, like the issue with a fuckboy is a fuckboy is not thinking about anyone but themselves. And exactly. what happens is, yeah, it's not it's not fair to do that to people. And I know we've all been in fuckboys situations or predicaments, myself included. Although I like to sit on, you know, my pedestal as if you know I'm perfect and haven't done some fucked up shit. I have. We're human. We all have. We we're human. But do I intentionally wake up to do it? No. I think a fuckboy is someone that intentionally does shit. It's a pattern. Hell, mm-hmm. it, shut up, Dwight. It's a pattern. No, no, say it. No, say it. Say it. No, because I feel like you was about to say probably something that needs to be said. Say it. Hell, we do, we all doing fuckboys now half time. But it's like, the thing is, like... At, right. You just trying 30, to manage your fuckboy shit. That's the way I'm looking at it. for the eighth time... <laughs> Bitch, I'm get the still, fuck... <laughs> I'm still finding myself dealing with shit that I'm like, why am I dealing with this? And... Yes, I should. I'm going to take accountability because I do feel that energies, whatever you put out is what you get back. So definitely mm-hmm. you're putting out energy to track that. And also you can learn from any experience. So trusting the process. However, fuckboys have to take accountability too because they're not thinking of that person's best interest. If half the shit you honestly did to other people was done to you, it would bother you. That's usually how fuckboy stops being a fuckboy. So or at least you calm down for you, a minute. You that somebody else? And Justin, I just refuse to believe you were ever a fuckboy. Oh. <laughs> I think the best fuckboys are the fuckboys that you never can tell. Um, I'll put it like this. I appreciate, you know, like you writing in this email and I totally get where you're coming from, but I'm going to just put it like this 100 because this is my podcast and you didn't just come here and email me. Like I was frustrated at first, but then I was like, this is a challenge. That's why I want to phrase my response to it like this. This podcast was bred from a fuckboy, i.e. me, wanting to address his fuckboy problems. Let me just put this out there. Each and every person for uh, up until this point, each and every story overall, the characteristics and the core of whatever that fuckboy did to some degree, I have done it or done something like it. 
And the whole point is that I'm trying to retell stories and make amends in some ways for things that I've done. Also share light about mistakes that I have made, about trauma that I was experiencing and not navigating the right way, not processing the right way. I was reacting the wrong way. And that's why you have to call it that behavior. I think you shift from being a fuck boy to your point, Dwight, when in that moment where you're going to make a dumbass decision or make a decision that is to the detriment of someone else and you can check yourself and be like, whoa, I wouldn't like this if this happened to me. Or like, yo, like this isn't really straight. Or like, I'll even read myself. Like one time I had got caught on a double, like I was on one day and got caught with by someone else that I was dating at the same time. I could have just been an adult and told both of them that I was dating, dating like various people that I was dating. That was like seven years ago. So like I didn't have the words or the emotional intelligence or the verbiage to communicate and have confidence and not feel bad for casually dating. You can do that. You have a right to do that. That is a normal part of dating. You date multiple people till you run against another if that's how you date. Right. But it's yeah. about communicating that as you're saying. And I lack the fuck out of that. <laughs> I mean, some people honestly, like for me, all I want is communication. Um, I was in a situation where I was dealing with someone and um, a guy, I, I had gotten wind that they were possibly, they had talked to someone else. Long story short, they ended up sending them a dick picture. And the thing is, I, I'm okay with the dick picture being sent, just be honest. But I ended up getting a screenshot from a third party and see when like, you get that, versus that hearing it from video. you. And it's like, my whole thing is, I just want to know from you. Be like, yeah, babe, I sent a dick pic. I was horny. We were sexting. I could deal with that. If you're honest and upfront with me, yeah. you'd be surprised with what I could actually deal with. You'd be surprised what a lot of people can deal with. Exactly. But when you don't trust our relationship, our partnership, whatever we're building enough to even be honest with me and communicate with me, that makes me put up a guard that as to, is this really somebody I want to be with or someone I want in my life? Because if I can't trust you, then what do we have? And I feel that any any relationship, you should be able to trust someone and share with them um, anything. And you should trust the relationship enough you can deal with it. And if no, they can't deal with it with honesty, then perhaps this isn't the person you should be building with. I want to be able to build with someone that can trust me and support me in anything I'm honest with them about. Because that's what yeah. unconditional love is. And if and someone's not open to doing that... They're not for you. That's also the friendship because do you want to have, I think one of the biggest discoveries I found in the past um, year and year and a half or two years has been not wanting to feel like there are any secrets or there are like, I think like this type of relationship I want it has shifted. Like I want complete transparency. And I think people feel like complete transparency means someone's all in your business. No, it just means like, I want to be able to say whatever to you respectfully, you know, or share whatever or feel whatever with you with, with no fear. Like I shouldn't care. Like if it is genuinely how I feel, genuinely what I want to say, genuinely what I want to share, I should be able to do that with you in any way, in any facet, respectfully. Hashtag. <laughs> but as we talk about accountability here, my challenge to you, Mr. Fuckboy on Fire, because that's the other little name you want to leave. Do your own like. podcast. No, <laughs> no. This is what I would say. If we want to talk about accountability, how about I how about we turn this one more time around and we can both look at each other? How about fuck boys be accountable to themselves since we want to talk about this person needs to be accountable everybody wants them to be accountable how about you start being accountable for yourself because the real issue is you're not being accountable and you're not dealing with the issue that you have going on in your life you don't want to be accountable for your shit you rather just throw shit everywhere else hurt other people and run from what you're dealing with when you start being accountable for the chaos in your own life the disruption the things that you're not happy with the expectations for yourself that you're not meeting maybe the pressures or stresses of work whatever it could be a multitude of different things everybody's situation is different 
But when you start being accountable for solving and fixing your own shit, instead of just going around and, you know, compiling onto it and trying to throw off your shit onto other people so you don't have to deal with it, that's really where you stop being a fuckboy. At least it was for me when I started being like, okay, like, well, at what point has this become my responsibility? At what point does the blame game stop? I love that. That's now the head. Like, that's what makes you a fuckboy not being accountable for your own shit. And that's something fuckboys all do, well, don't do consistently. Like they're not accountable for how they're treating other people or for their actions. And that's what makes you a fuckboy. I'm with that. And to your point, we still, growth is not linear. Every day is a struggle. We're not asking for perfection. We're just asking for you to make an effort. We're asking for you to make an effort for yourself. Let's, let's shift it. Stop thinking about everybody else. Make an effort for yourself. Be accountable for yourself for yourself. Promise it'll feel better. Promise it yeah. will. Because as we get older, like as I get older and now I'm like at the grown people table, I hear like my aunts and uncles like with what they're dealing with in marriage. And I'm just sitting there like, wait, y'all still deal with this shit? And I won't. <laughs> I'm running towards a certain kind of peace and not right. happiness. Y'all heard me last week. I was talking about, oh, well, not last week because it's not going to come out next week. But y'all heard me talk on episode 11 with Jeremiah. I don't seek happiness anymore. I seek joy. That's what Tracy Ellis Ross talks about. Happiness is fleeting. I seek joy. I seek peace. And I seek it all within me. If it cannot come from me and my actions, I don't need no more external stuff. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Yes, well, when we come right back, we'll be at our fuckboy song of the week. Hey, how about we listen to a little bit of music? Bro. How did you know? I love this song! Mm, hi! That is my song! Hi. You know they gave me a shout out on the album, right? Word? Yes! Now we're back at our fuckboy song of the week. (laughs) 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 And we have once again Dwight Allen O'Neill. I just love this name, the O'Neill Appeal. Whenever I used to read that name, I would be thinking about Whipped Appeal. Like, that's what I used to think about Whipped Appeal. (laughs) I used to think about that. I cannot with you. Whatever I would think about your name or when you would do your little brunches and stuff. Yes. Oh, I I miss brunches. Uh, I just. Uh, I want to do my brunches on tour. That's my goal. Like when we come out of pandemic, I want to do like really a brunch cute. in New York, one in Atlanta, one in Texas, one in LA. That's a goal like I a have. Brunch and a reading, like a brunch and a reading, and like a. Oh yeah, because I didn't get a chance to do a book tour or a book signing because we were pandemic. Yeah. Okay, so tell all the people out there what is your song of the week here on Fuckboy Radio. All right, so my song of the week for Fuckboy Radio is so appropriate. Um, and I want to dedicate this to um, Morgan Freeman. I know you're out there listening. Um, I just want you to know that, um, yeah, when I, when I think of this, when I hear this song, I used to think about you. Um, and it's Daddy by Beyonce. And that's from her Dangerously Love album. Mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. It's so petty because how mom and dad ain't even together anymore. I was like, it's so appropriate. <laughs> Y'all know that's my mother. She's my guiding light. Whenever I need to know, I do. I just look down at my wrist where the where the letters WWBD are at. What would Beyonce yes, do? What would Beyonce do? You know, we both love Beyonce. Yes, but <sighs> here on Fuckboy Radio, you know, I got my little radio station voice. Here on Fuckboy Radio, you know, we just want to dedicate this to you all. This is Daddy by Beyonce. Make 
me believe what you're saying. Can we waken this up a little? Well, yeah, if you think you can. Okay. Deanna. If you want to be somebody, if you want to go somewhere, you better wake up and pay attention. If you want to be somebody, if you want to go somewhere, you better wake up and pay attention. If you want to be somebody, if you want to go We are at my favorite and the final part of today's episode. Our fuckboy fixes are a self-care tip, a phrase. Sometimes it's a word. Um, one time it was a quote by Mark Twain. I was really excited for that. It changed my it changed my attitude. And I try to use the fuckboy fixes. I actually write them down on a sticky note at the beginning of my week. So I'll encourage you guys, if you listen to the podcast, write that week's um Fuckboy fix on a sticky note, put it in your notes in your phone, put it somewhere in your home that you're going to see it. And then just as you walk through your week, walk through your day that week, try to keep it at the forefront of your mind. You'll be surprised how these little things that maybe we know that we're not applying to our lives. And it really, that little bit extra, that little reminder on that sticky note can make that much more difference when you're challenged. Because we are all being challenged right now in quarantine. It has been over a year. Woo! But what is your fuckboy fix this week, Dwight? All right, so my fuckboy fix this week is um, a tattoo that I actually have on my body. It's on my arm. Um, It's something I came up with many years ago, but um, create your greatness. I feel like in life, God has given us a clean sheet of paper, and it's up to us to decide what we want to put on it or what we don't want to put on it. So um, why create problems or why create things you don't want? when you can create your greatness. So I want to leave that with everybody. Go out there and create something amazing. Create something great. Yes. Okay. Yes. Create your greatness. That is definitely a real one and definitely one you have to keep with you. And what I have learned and what 2020 has taught me is if you want it for yourself, you have to get it for yourself. Yeah. Every time you sit around and you wait for someone else to do something for you, even if that is delegating or whatever, the moment you do not allow the core of what it is and everything about it to come from you and you try to allow some work for someone else, let someone else try to interpret your vision at that point there you're now, you know, at the, at the helm of them. So if you want it, do it for yourself. That doesn't mean you shouldn't delegate. You can hire people, whatever, but make sure it all comes from you first and it'll be a lot more easy. Make sure they're working on the team and not against the team. Yes. And make sure they're your words and not, you know, other people's be Simone because that is just a mess. But (laughs) sorry, girl, didn't mean to shade you because you're funny and everything, but (laughs) that's that. Once again, we have Amazon best-selling author, soon to be, New York Times, Barnes & Noble, Pulitzer Prize. She's coming for the crown. No. I'm coming for the crown. Bow <laughs> down. coming for the crown. Mr. Dwight Allen O'Neill, the author of Shoulda, Coulda, Wouldas. Tell everybody out there one more time how they can find you and everything that you're working on. Yes, yes, yes. Please check me out on my website, O'NeillAppeal.com. Visit my online store. Um, actually, I just came out with a t-shirt um, called, um, it's uh, my black is the new black so um check out my new t-shirt along with my book but all that's on my website um and thank you for having me i don't usually drink in public but since we were like on the radio it don't count so you know. it don't count it don't count <laughs> and i just okay. learned how to make a mojito so i'm i'm fired up <laughs> uh, not you just left <laughs> i went not to the bacardi factory and i took you the class so i learned how to make a mojito and it's really good the mojitos are really good. I think, yes. um, yeah, at the Bacardi Fact, that's the only place I drink 151. Like, I drank 151 the entire time I was there with just pineapple. They told me they put a whole new filling on 151 that I had never had. We've been treating it disrespectful. Yes, and I, I've, I've gone several times, and they teach you new drinks every time you go. Mm-hmm. You like, it's not yeah, the same drink. So, like, yeah. yeah, if you go once, like, go again, like, the mojito, I learned like I like three limes and three sugars, you know, and some ginger ale versus club soda. It's lit. Yeah, they put me on ginger beer ever since ever since um I went there the last time. They put me on ginger, ginger beer, beer with what? 
Uh, so I have 151 ginger beer and a splash of pineapple. I have to try that. And a little bit of lime. Yeah. And it's nice. You get the acidity from the lime. You get a little bit of sweet from the um, from the pineapple. So it kind of balances out. And then the ginger beer mellows out that harsh spice, you know, from the from the 151. So it allows it to kind of go down smoother. So you don't feel that burn when it comes down. But I like that. Yeah. Thank- 151 to put hair on your chest. Yeah, one through one, wear you out. But um, thank you for being on the show. And until next time, all you fuckboys out there, bye. <laughs> That's all, folks. Thank you again for listening to today's podcast. Please make sure to subscribe, rate it, and share with a friend wherever you are listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore FBProbs, F-B-P-R-O-B-S. And please make sure to add our playlist on Spotify and Apple Music. And if you got fuckboy problems, please email us at fbprobs at justinrain.com. That's F-B-P-R-O-B-S at Justin, J-U-S-T-I-N, Rain, R-A-Y-N-E.com. See you next episode, fuckboys. Hey.